You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 31 with Beverly Simpson. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know that a lot of you that listen to the show are mamas and have kids. Obviously, that's what makes you a mom. And even though I don't have children and I don't know whether I want to have children, that's something that I kind of talk about a lot. The fact that it kind of really scares me. And even though I do have this big nurturing sense about me, maybe it's just the fact that right now in my life, I can't picture it, uh, maybe in the future, but regardless of that birth and pregnancy and postpartum, you know, that entire journey that comes along with having a child is still very interesting to me. And obviously this is something that as women, our bodies were made for, we were designed to do this. And when I was in LA in April and I gave that presentation that I talked to you guys about at Elevate with my mastermind group, Beverly Simpson, who is our guest on the show today, gave our gave a presentation about pregnancy and postpartum movement and kind of what to expect when you have a baby. And it kind of completely blew my mind. I had no idea, like you'll hear in the episode, I had no idea what a pelvic floor was, like diastasis, none of this stuff. All of this stuff was very unfamiliar to me. And she put a lot of diagrams up there and I was like, whoa, like this is what happens to the body. Uh, it, it just kind of, like I said, blew my mind. So I know that a lot of the information that we see out there right now in society, when it comes to fitness and movement and pregnancy, and even after your pregnancy, when you give birth is like, there's this notion that like, you need to give your body, get your body back immediately. You need to lose all the weight. You need to just, you know, go super hard in the gym and be super intense. And I know a lot of people that have done that, but I didn't know that that actually, obviously I know from like a societal psychological level, women should not be pressured in that way, but I had no clue, obviously, and I probably sound really ignorant right now, but I really had no idea of what, you know, the exact recovery entails after you have a baby and that sometimes it could take many months to get back into movement and I'm sure the moms out there know that this is something that they have recognized in themselves. Like, I'm not moving right now. Are you kidding me? I just popped a baby out. But I wanted Beverly to come on the show to really tell us about 
the ins and outs when it comes to how you should move when you get pregnant, uh, how you should move when you are postpartum and how to kind of like navigate that journey, how to navigate your body image afterwards. If you guys listened to episode three of this podcast, I had my best friend Steph on and she talked about postpartum body image and she did an amazing job. But this is really Beverly's area of expertise. She helps mamas out there kind of navigate that movement afterwards, you know, fat loss without body hate and getting confidence back after you give birth and have a baby. Beverly tells her story very eloquently and honestly and openly about how she had no idea what to expect when she gave birth, when she went through her pregnancy. So it was interesting for me to hear about all of that, to hear of her area of expertise, and I hope you guys really enjoy this show. Before we get into it, Intuitive Cooking School is starting, well, it started yesterday. If you're listening to this on May 15th, which is the day that this podcast comes out, we started May 14th, got a big group of women in there. I'm so happy that so many of you joined. This is going to be amazing, and it's going to be rolled out again in the fall, so be on the lookout for it then, but I'm just so excited to give everybody this information for us to learn to cook together without recipes, just to make it really sustainable and awesome and not a headache, which is what it usually is uh, with what we're told right now in kind of the current talks about cooking or whatever. But be sure to reach out to Beverly if you have any questions, if you want to work with her. I know she works one-on-one with women and she has a free Facebook group, which I will put in the show notes that you guys should definitely join. And I will put, like I said, all of her information and super important, she recommended a lot of resources for people navigating this stuff. And you can find all of them in the show notes. And also, obviously, if you listen towards the end of the show, which I hope you do, it's an awesome episode. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Beverly. Yes, of course. No problem. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. And you and I met because we're in the same mastermind together. So, so happy that I met you. And even though I don't have children, every time I hear you talk about your story and what you've been through. It's just like, it like really touches me. And I would love for you to talk about your story, kind of what you've been through and how that got you to where you are today and what you help women with today. That's awesome. Great. And first of all, I just thank you so much for having me. And it has been such an amazing year just working together in our mastermind. And I'm just, it's been really my pleasure and honor to work with you. So, um, and I just can't wait for all the years to come. I know. Likewise. likewise. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess for me, so I actually am, so I'm in Manhattan. Well, I live in Westchester, so it's 45 minutes from Manhattan, but I work in Manhattan. And I'm from San Francisco originally because, and I was a actor, a singing actor. And I decided that I wanted to chase the Broadway dream and that I was going to move across the country and 
And so I did. And I went to a conservatory for my, for my master's and I was chasing that Broadway dream. And I was always singing and, uh, and auditioning. But what happened to me is that I started to feel like I started to think and feel like I was in this narcissistic mindset that I was, um, and that, that my career and my job was on the other side of fixing my body and that anything that was happening wrong in my career was because of my body. So what happened is that I started to like get obsessed into fitness to exercise because I was going to fix my body. Which was actually a gift because what I realized is that I could start inspiring more people. I could help other people get on their journey to fitness. And I started to become happier in that process than I did in the process of acting and, I, and auditioning and trying to get the role. And I know for me that you have to love the process of whatever you're doing more than the results. Otherwise, it's just not worth doing it. 90% of your life is going to be spent in the process. You yes. have to love the process. Such a good point. Right? And so I, so what happened was I thought I was leaving this narcissistic mindset, but then I got pregnant. And at Was it time, unexpected? No, it wasn't. We wanted okay. to grow. We, okay. were, we wanted to grow our family. But at that time, I was a fit now. This time, you know, fast forward three years, I'm a fitness manager and I'm running a facility. I'm responsible of hiring and developing, you know, hundreds of trainers in Manhattan. And I was in a very male-dominated industry, and for the record, they were amazing, and I have never had a horrible experience, but, but it was me feeling like, I'm running with the boys. I need to just not be pregnant and I need to, I'm going to work until the day that I give birth, which I did. And I'm just going to pretend I'm not pregnant. Right. So much. So someone told me like, don't Google. And I took that advice so much. So, so seriously that I went into birth absolutely not knowing zero. I knew zero about what was going to happen and what life was going to be like. And what I mean so much so zero was that my sister called me. She's got kids that are older. And she said, hey, just so you know, you're still going to look pregnant after you give birth. And um, and the first time you have sex is probably going to be painful. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? The baby's gone. I'm not going to look pregnant. <laughs> And, you know, so like I was really in the dark, just really kind of living in a state of denial. And the two things that I really wanted, you know, I, I've learned since, but at the time, the language I was using was I want to have a natural birth and I want to breastfeed. And when I look back on it, the real reason that I wanted to have a natural birth and that I wanted to breastfeed was because I wanted to get my body back. Hmm. I was obsessed with wanting to get my body back, and I believed that those were the two things that I was going to get. Well, because you're told. That's what you're told. Like, oh, if you breastfeed, 500 less calories a day, automatic exercise. You see those shirts that are like, breastfeeding is my cardio. Oh, my God. I know. You know. You're like, no, girl. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I felt so that, you know, and and my pregnancy forced me really, you know, and, and for the record, those two things I didn't get. 
And I'm so grateful now that I didn't get those two things because it brought me to this place because now I can help so many other women that will give birth after me. And they will learn that. And I have dedicated my life to helping them, to helping them go through this process, build strength, you know, or, you know, help them build strength and or build confidence through strength and help them, you know, deal with fat loss without body hate. Because what I realized from my pregnancy and birth experience was that I actually wasn't leaving a narcissistic industry. The theater was not a narcissistic industry. What I needed to deal with was decades of body hatred. Mm, so powerful. That is what I needed to deal with. And pregnancy and birth experience forced that upon me, really. Wow. Right? So you had never like thought of it as intensely as you did going no. through that whole thing. Okay. Oh my gosh, no, because your body completely changes, right? And, and, and... So that, you know, that is literally, you know, so that, and so then when I got pregnant with my second, and so I had two under two, right? So I gave birth to Gwen and I had an emergency cesarean and uh, I had a failure to descend, which means that, I mean, I was so adamant, right? About giving birth, about having a natural birth that I'll never forget it. The doctor said, she let me push for two hours despite already knowing that Gwen was going to be a failure to descend because she knew it was that important to me. I was crying for the forceps. I'm like, get the forceps. I literally Just take her out. Metal. That is how, like that mommy mindset, that mommy mentality for athletes and just for really any mom right? We just get stuck in this. It has to be this way at any cost, especially in that very intense traumatic moment. And in that moment, you could have suffered big time consequences. It would, oh my gosh. My husband, the doctor pulls my husband out. I was like, you better get your wife's mind right or you're going to lose them both. And my husband, chose, yeah. he knows him. he's very stoic, right? He's like comes into the room and he's crying and he's like, please like just, just let it go. You know? And one of the things that my doctor said to me, which is a very hard thing to hear. And it's actually something I don't typically say to my mom, to my moms is that like, Oh, just be happy. The baby's healthy because really moms get treated. And this is also why I'm, it's so, I'm really passionate about wanting to help moms is because sometimes moms are treated. And I heard this on a podcast, so I don't want to take credit for this, this analogy, but sometimes we are treated like a rapper. The baby is this like candy that comes out and moms are like tossed off like oh, a rapper. Wow. What an amazing analogy. Right. Yeah. And it's just so true. And then, then on, you know, mom guilt starts literally as you start like going into the emergency room because your doctor's telling you, we want the baby healthy, just the baby healthy. And you're like, I'm terrible because I didn't want this, you know? Mm. So then, and then, so when I got pregnant with Abby, I was all, I was only 10 months postpartum or 11 months postpartum. I partied with Abby and then just kind of went through it all again. But this time I was smarter and I knew things and it was just, you know, it was, it was, um, that brought you were a little more prepared. I was more prepared. Okay. It was more prepared. And, and then, you know, the thing with the breastfeeding and weight loss, that just didn't happen. Mm. So now you're dedicating yourself to teaching women what you wish you would have known basically. 
Because like I, I, I don't think like in society we're ever really told about it's always right. like painted as this like beautiful experience. Of course, like they say it's painful. Yes. But what does the average layperson know about birth? Really not a lot. Well, and that's the thing too, like, you know, and why I'm I'm also really super passionate about this. Thanks for reminding me, is that is that there are a lot of things to consider during pregnancy, especially with exercise and also returning to exercise, right? And so for me as an athlete, and for the record, when I call myself an athlete and when I'm referring to an athlete, I'm talking about anyone who works out. You work out, you are an athlete to me. I was never like a competitive athlete. Like in fact, sometimes I laugh and think, man, if my junior high PE teacher knew I was a trainer, I think he would laugh. <laughs> Like, I was the one that was avoiding the mile. Totally, yep. <laughs> right, so, so I, but, but, you know, athletic brain, I, um, you know, so anyone who works out is someone who I consider an athlete. And so what happens is, is that, especially for moms who work with OBGYNs, not so much with midwives, like, I feel like there's a lot of, there's more talk about this. But for like OBGYNs, there is this sense that, um, and I know why it, where it comes from, because we are resilient. Women and are resilient, and mamas specifically are resilient, meaning that we are designed to give birth or to grow a human, to give birth, and to heal from birth. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do that, and it is completely 100% natural, what I mean by supposed to, like, I'm not saying every woman has to have kids. It's just if you decide to have kids, like this is, you know, completely a natural occurrence and we're supposed to heal from it. But that six week checkup that that happens is just really this arbitrary number of of healing. And every person is so individual in how in in, in their metabolism, in the way in you know, their athletic ability and in, you know, what happens in the body that to say everyone who is healed is going to be healed by six weeks is just kind of ludicrous. Yeah. Everyone heals at a different pace. And what a way to feel bad about yourself too. Like if you're not even close to being healed at six weeks, it's like, oh God, what's wrong with me? Exactly. And and then sometimes, and then sometimes these conversations around what to do and how to return exercise are very nil. Like they're very, literally my doctor at my six week appointment before she even did an internal exam. And I loved her by the way, like any, I loved her and I loved the practice and I would still, if I have a third, we're going back there. But she said, she was like, you're clear running, jumping, everything. You're fine. Right. After six weeks. Yeah. Without even asking how I was feeling. Right. And, and, and that was okay. And it worked for me because, and maybe she did that because she knows me because she knew I knew better. But I thought to myself, if I was just Sally J walking into the doctor's office and I heard that I wouldn't, you know, and, and I wouldn't know what to look for. I wouldn't, you know, because there's so many jokes around peeing in your pants. Like, haha, you sneeze and you pee. That's funny. Uh, or there's jokes around, you know, low back pain. You probably had low back pain throughout your whole pregnancy, and so now you just assume that that's just life for you now. Mm-hmm. Or you're you're got pain in your abdomen. Your belly button might look weird, or just things don't. You know, you might feel pressure or bulging. We don't know that those are things that you can fix and that or that you can, you know, 
change. And for me, which I spoke so openly about when I, I was presenting with you, is that mm -hmm. my sister did tell me, you know, that you I was going to burn at the first time. But it was an excruciating burn, and it was a burn for a really long time that took its toll on my marriage. And not mm -hmm. in the sense of like, oh my gosh, we're going to break up, but like enough that it was conversations around intimacy that we never had before. And I called my doctor and said, there is something wrong. And, she, and her response was, she pulled me in, she did an internal, she said, look, just take some, you're probably dry, take some estrogen cream. But I was having problems with breastfeeding, so I didn't want to add estrogen into my body. So I just believed I had to deal with it. When really, if she had said, hey, why don't you go and meet with a pelvic floor physical therapist, we could have had some discussion around uh, hypertonic pelvic floor, which is what happened to me. Which So I needed to practice releasing. Mm. So now I knew this going into my second pregnancy, and so now I had the support, I had the network, and I was okay, and it was better the second time around. But I feel for these moms that don't know this, because I think that the resources, they're limited, but there are tons of people out there that are talking about it. Just moms don't know that they're looking for it. Exactly. And they don't know where to find these things. These people who have, you know, I'm a big believer in going through a struggle and then transforming it into something different through service, which like for all of us in our group that we are in together, we've all been through some shit that we're now like teaching yeah, others to get out of it and to have awareness around it and everything. So I'm always like, I hate to say, like, it's cliche to say, like, I have gratitude for what happened, but it's true, you know? That's exactly why I'm so thankful that I didn't, that I had to have a cesarean, and I'm so grateful that I had to, that I didn't get to breastfeed. I mean, and I, when I say that, I did, I did get to breastfeed, I got to, I, but it, but it was not without struggle, and it was not in the way that I wanted to. I only got to breastfeed six months postpartum completely, but I had to supplement. Mm, okay. And so that was, you know, and that experience just in itself was very interesting because, you know, the first time I went through it, it was because I wanted to lose weight. Then I realized it wasn't going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. The second time that I went through it, it was more about me trying to prove that I could do it this time. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, yes. Two different, it was two different um feelings of misery really mm, mm. well know? I'm glad that you you know had a different experience the second time around and that now you are doing this work because nobody really even like uh, even like me in my own experience being part of gyms and seeing trainers and stuff most trainers don't know anything and they're just and there's like such a pressure in society which again makes me really mad because I'm <laughs> a big believer in having a positive body image um, and really just loving your body and appreciating it. But like there's this pressure in society for moms to just like get the body back immediately. And it's like restrict uh, and deprive yourself and diet super hard and then just exercise your face off. But it's like that's not like you're not meant to do that yet. So like I would really love if you could talk about training and movement um how that changes and maybe specific things that people should or shouldn't do from like the time of conception to postpartum 
Great, great. So the thing too to remember, like for this community, and I think for moms too in general, is that I think that this idea around pregnancy, this idea around uh, around pregnancy and working out and birth is actually fairly new. Okay, I feel like when we were born and and our you know our generations before us, moms just this whole idea of having a fit pregnancy, having like a quick bounce back, you know, mm. social media, not in your face back then, that there wasn't necessarily quite as big of a pressure. So I feel like as this idea of fit pregnancy and healthy postpartum and get your body back, you know, getting married to the, uh, from, you know, get those ideas coming and stemming from social media. I think that that ha- Two has been a learning curve for a lot of coaches and for a lot of moms that have gone through this experience, you know, within the last decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say that, you know, the the two biggest things that I hear a lot is is (laughs) actually there's three. One is really old, really old. People are like, don't get your heart rate above one forty, and that is. Oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> and ACOG, for the record, they are the uh, uh, the governing the governing body of pregnancy has tried to debunk this myth for a long time. There's tons of research and studies about how that is actually not true. And the reason why it was there is because they for a long time people believed that uh, pregnant women, you know, the thing with heat right that if your body got too hot that it would be harmful for the baby but if but if your body produces the heat your you could dis a mommy can dissipate it and it mm. won't harm it okay. you only get trouble when you're like in spas or saunas or hot yoga stuff mm. that's that stuff is at you know out of our control so so that's one reason, right? And then the other thing you hear a lot is, oh, if you've been doing it, you just uh, if you've been doing, you just can do what you've always been doing, Li- and listen to your body. Yeah, what does that mean? You know, like yeah, that's that? yeah. <laughs> you know, and then so sometimes I have pregnant women who come to me and they're like, I haven't worked out ever. And, or not ever, but it's been a really long time. I'm not an avid gym goer, but I want to work out. Like, can I? Yes, of course you can start a pregnant. You can absolutely start a workout program when you're pregnant. Like, you know, and I think too with a lot of trainers, which is why I always like push for education, at least to research it, is that it's a little bit scary to to work with a pregnant mom because you feel responsible for whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's that like, oh, I don't want to hurt the mom and I don't want to hurt the baby, right? So I definitely understand trepidation and feeling like, ah, if you haven't worked out, just don't work out, you know? So I also think, too, the, for pregnant moms, like, especially for athletes, like CrossFitters, SFGers, like uh, kettle people who are like really in, or avid runners, right? when you get there is something to be said about that athletic mindset and we are designed to push through pain mm. or push through discomfort and just to keep going mm-hmm. right that adrenaline take over as opposed to which i think is that process that that of like where that idea of like listen to your body comes in or you know but 
when you get onto that athletic mind and you've got that dopamine and serotonin running through those those good hormones rushing through your body, you're ignoring that. Yeah. Right? Or you don't even know what to listen like listen for. Mm-hmm. Right? So for my pregnant moms, I you know, I definitely and if you're lifting heavy like power lifters and stuff I'm not saying that you can't and it doesn't mean you have to like lower like lay on the floor for the rest of your life like rest of your pregnancy when you're working out but like I definitely encourage my mom to make sure you're not pushing through pain right because here's what's happening in pregnancy right you're so and I want to and I want to talk specifically about the core and the pelvic floor because Those are the two things, especially that you want to be thinking about postpartum, right? But here's what you know what's happening. So when I'm thinking of the core, I'm thinking of this like canister type of thing, where you've got the transverse abdominals, so like the deep abdominals, your strength abs, right? And then your pelvic floor, which are is a uh, which is basically the muscles that that hold up your organs essentially. And then you have your diaphragm that is the, sits on uh, right below the ribs on top of this canister. And then your multifidus muscles in the back, which uh, stabilize your spine, the lumbar part of your spine. And then you have the rectus abdominals, which are the sexy abs is what I call them. The ones that everyone are like, eh, those are men in the kitchen, right? <laughs> <laughs> inserted into connective tissue that draws the line in front of the body. It's called the linea alba. And it is starts at the in the sternum and it lines all the way to the front of the body and, and um, to the pubic bone, right? Now that connective tissue is made mostly of collagen. And what happens in pregnancy as the uterus expands is that the rectus abdominals split. They start to move to the side and the linea alba starts to stretch, right? Mm. It starts to stretch. And so the reason why I'm talking about this is because when you are breathing, when you're thinking about the core and the way that it it moves, all of that that canister works. In that canister works because of uh, it works in concert. So you hear a lot of people talking like Kegel, 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 Kegel. So you, what you want to think about is that that is like if you're if all those muscles work together and you're only we're focusing on one part. That's only one part of the equation. Everything yeah. needs to fire off. Mm. And we're not taught how to do that. No, right? we're not. And what happens is like sometimes, or or you are taught how to do that. You're, I mean, you're taught how to kegel, but that's the only thing you're taught. You're yeah. not taught about like thinking about alignment and and maybe not even thinking about alignment, but thinking about your breathing techniques. Because if you can nail breathing, you're going to be able to, because you you you're going to be able to, because the pelvic floor and the diaphragm mirror the movement. Mm. Uh, they mirror movement. So if you're thinking about your breath, because that's what the, your diaphragm is going to help with that, like your a diaphragmatic breath, and you start getting the pelvic floor to move the way that it, you know, with the diaphragm, and you do that through breath, then you're going to say to the transverse abdominals, oh, hey, core, we're, oh, we're working. Yeah. Oh, we're working. As opposed to like Kegel, and they're like, oh, what are you doing down there? Yeah. What, are we working? Yeah. Are we supposed to, are we, what, what are we doing, right? So what happens, like, too, for hypertonic pelvic floors, this is also important for, um, you know, after pregnancy, is that if we're, like, constantly, like, kegel, 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 or, or, or we're not working in concert, it can cause 
or not cause, but it can be part of the reason why you are you are leaking, why you're peeing in your pants, mm. or why you have a constant like stress, like I need to go to the bathroom, mm. right? Like there's all incontinence, and there's also stress stress incontinence where it's that sudden urgency like right and that is so I like my heart goes out to the people because I know it's not just moms by the way that that feel that way because they must be nervous to like go to their kids soccer practice or there's you know go to the grocery store because what if they freak out at the grocery store you Mm, know for sure so, you know, my moms, I'm, I'm having them think. And then also, like, if they have this awareness during pregnancy, and this really helped me for my second pregnancy because I could focus, I had something to focus on in the hospital. And that was what gave my athletic brain peace because mm-hmm. I was able to be like, oh, I'm rehabbing. Yeah rehabbing I need to make sure that I'm, I'm thinking about my core and my pelvic floor and that that I'm 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 you know building strength I'm restoring its functionality right that gave my athletic mindset peace because it felt like I was doing something mm-hmm. and it sounds like a lot of it is like having a you know a heightened sense of body awareness you know the breathing and yeah. kind of like making it one kind of running being you know connecting yeah. the breath to the body and some people could go a whole lifetime not being connected to the breath not being connected to the body for you know? sure and so then so here's you know the thing with pelvic floor and then so as you're like and during pregnancy right so now so now as the core as the body is physically changing I mean, not to mention all the other types of changes, like your blood volume, like, you know, it affects your respiratory system, it affects your the cardiovascular system, like it just, thing, besides all those things that are changing, in addition to all those things that are, that are changing, right, You and you've got a human in there. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> and there, there, there's a human in there, right? So the, there, you know, there, there are things that you're gonna, you need, that you'll need to modify, right? So like, let's even say you're, you know, and, you know, so the first thing that typically goes is the stuff overhead, right? Because think like that, the, like all of that work, you know, and not even goes, you could put stuff over your head, but you just have to really be in tune with what's happening and how your body feels. Like that's typically the first, like your load, your load will lighten there because think about the range of motion and the distance between the pelvic floor and the core. Right. And then, and that is a lot. You were asking the core to do a lot. And if it's completely changing, you know, you're running the risk of flaring the ribs and then putting extra weight on that pelvic floor I mean don't forget right you know it's cesare- you know a lot of moms too who have had cesareans are like oh do I have to go to a pelvic floor physical therapist because I didn't give birth out of my vagina and I'm like well you still carried for 40 weeks all that extra weight on the yeah, pelvic floor yeah yeah still like and isn't it much better to go to somebody and they're like yeah you're good no worries good yeah. job yeah. Thanks for seeing me, right? Yes. Like, whoa, I'm still in pain. I'm having problems, you know, with insertion, like insertion, putting a tampon in, there's bulging, like, it's uncomfortable. Like, there's, you know, I would rather hit it head on. Yeah, exactly. Versus waiting, right? Especially because moms, I think people in general, but 
a lot of moms, and I mean women in general, have this nurturing, we always put people first, other people first, especially when you have kids, you're always putting your kids first, so it's like, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait for my doctor's appointment, I don't need to go there, I don't need anyone you need to, until you're like, literally, I just have to. Yeah. Otherwise, right? 100%. So, so that, so that's something that I have, you know, so typically like the overhead stuff, you know, and like pull-ups that, that, that gets modified first, right? Definitely always talking about your, you know, breathing alignment. I definitely, and I'm, I, I also should clarify, you know, people ask me about sit-ups. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I didn't jump to that first because typically I, put sit-ups very sparingly, very sparingly in my programs. Like I typically train the core without them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, and, and there are people that have different points of view on whether or not you can do sit-ups. Like if there is a, you know, Anthony Lowe, who is a very famous uh, physical therapist and very influential in my work, always is challenging the norm, the norm and is very like, yes, do, you can do sit-ups. You can even do sit-ups to heal the diastasis. I just typically find that they're very, very, very challenging to do because remember, right, your abs are splitting and that that linea alba is just collagen. And so if you're sitting up and you're crom- and you're constantly mm. coning and all, basically you're constantly coning and your guts are coming out, they're sticking out of this already thin, already thin layer. Yeah. Like that's, you know, you know, and, and you have to always ask yourself, this is what I ask my, my pregnant people all the time and postpartum people. You need to measure the risk to the role, the reward. Mm. What are like, why, why do you want to have those? So typically when they're like, can we do setups? Why do you want those in your program? Do you want to work on your core strength core? Do you think that that's going to help? You know, and then I'm like, well, we want to help. If you want to help for labor, let's work on this stuff. Right? You can still work the core, but not necessarily at the risk of, you know, putting your guts up on the outside of your body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not super appealing to do that. Well, so it's really all about like, and then, you know, especially that's one of the big questions that I always ask, you know, moms, especially athletic postpartum moms who are like in the first in the door, you know, six weeks is just that you always want to measure your risk to reward ask yourself like why is this important to me because don't you know I think both you know as coaches I think that we often you know rest and recovery even in our training programs is a very important component that is often neglected and often not talked about I mean how many people I mean there are a few but not very many that are on Instagram being like oh I slept for 12 hours I feel amazing oh never Now more so than ever, but it's there's not typical. Some, there's definitely some. Yeah. Know, there are a couple of people that come to mind that I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous of them. Right. <laughs> but, you know, we don't, we don't, as fitness professionals, we, we tend to, to not uh, celebrate recovery and rest. And I think for a postpartum mom, that is very important. Like, mm. just allow yourself to be postpartum. And also to remember that that time that you are with that newborn goes so fast. Mm-hmm. And time is one of uh, is a limiting resource that will never get you know you'll never get that time back, and so you know it's it's I try to as much as I can to encourage moms to just be postpartum, like, just figure out what it's like to be a mom and to be with that baby, connect with that baby. You have the rest of your life to be fit as a fiddle. 
Yeah. You're the rest of your life, but you don't have this time back. Exactly. So what, are there any core exercises? Because I imagine, because this subject is something that obviously I know, like your presentation that you did at Elevate was like the first time that I was even exposed to it. I didn't know that I had a pelvic floor. I didn't like, I was like, what is that? Um, Diastasis, like all of that is very new to me, but I'm super interested in it. Um, If I want to have a kid in the future, I'm still like, I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I, you know, this isn't something that's really talked about a lot. So I, are there any other core exercises that people should do during pregnancy? Uh, well, I do a lot of like, uh, stay, you know, when, so really honestly, when someone is like, I want to think about what I core exercises, like really, it's all about like diet for me, dialing in your breathing techniques. Yeah. With all movement so like bracing stable you know yeah yeah and 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 especially too like for you know for moms and how I use that language because I bracing was something I always used to say all the time but what happens too is that like especially for early postpartum moms too is that when you brace you're actually like gripping Mm. you and you don't and, and like causing tension you want to make sure that as you know a pregnant person or really anybody that you're generating enough tension to execute the movement and that you know the that meets the demand of the load okay right yeah and so so i tend to and a lot of people are like oh belly button in that doesn't that doesn't that's not a cue that is bad because it causes gripping right you know and i know that a lot of sfgers talk about like breathing behind the shield right but for me, and things that have worked for me and for my moms is that if I can, if I can think about the belly button traveling in and up throughout the entire exhale, mm-hmm. I really feel my abs turn on. Okay. Right. But in terms of you know payoff presses, like anterior, oh, yes. you know those things are soup are huge. Yeah. Right. Um, and people talk about planks. And you could do planks as a pregnant person, but especially if you've been doing it. But again, it goes back to the risk to reward. Are you really going to want to be in that prone position for 60 seconds? Like, is that worth the risk? Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. Not when you could do other things like a payoff rest or even an elevated plank. I mean, you know, I'm also thinking about like second and third trimester. Yes, yes. Like that is like um, – you know, when you got this huge, you know, belly, are, do you really want to be with the belly facing on the ground? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, so you, again, it goes back to like asking yourself, what do you want? What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to accomplish strong abs? Focus on your breathing throughout the movement. Mm-hmm. Do some hit off presses. Do some, um, uh, what other, you know, what other things do? You know, sometimes I even, because I the pelvic floor is part of the core. Like I'll put floor bridges in there. Mm. And, your core exercises sometimes I'll do um you know it it really it depends in terms of you know the moms and where they are postpartum so like transition to postpartum here so I know something that is like a breakout word scary a lot of people are talking about it which is that diastasis right what is this diastasis so and what I'm it's it's actually called diastasis rectus abdominis, commonly referred to as diastasis recti or just simply diastasis, which is basically, you know, when those abs split. So again, by the time you get to your third trimester, you a hundred percent of women have one. 
Like that is what is defined. The the distance is what defines a diastasis, right? So what happens is is that if you were to measure your diastasis at six weeks, there was this study that uh, was done in Norway, right? Where they followed three hundred women postpartum for a year. That they found that six weeks postpartum, thirty three percent of them still had a diastasis. But what they were talking yeah. about was just the gap. A diastasis is measured by like, like, and and so what they did is that 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 statistic includes people who have a mild, a moderate, and to advanced diastasis. So a four point five centimeter, which is basically just like a two two finger gap, depending on the size of your fingers, but that's the gap that they're talking about, right? And they're measuring it typically in three places. Halfway between the uh, belly button to the sternum, right up there, and then also right at the belly button, and then right at the bottom below the belly button, before the pubic bone, right? So those are the places that they're they're measuring it. And so they decided they call a diastasis by that gap. And here's the thing: men can have diastasis. Mm. You don't have to be pregnant to have a diastasis. Like it's just. You know what ha- is, but and then the study also shows that by uh, actually I think it was 33 percent at twelve months, and, and and then I think that it was like sixty percent at six weeks. So don't wow. quote me; I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Mm-hmm. But it was basically by your twelve months postpartum, it potentially one in three women have still a diastasis, but. That gets scary, and then everyone's like, "Oh, I can't move. I'm broken. I have a diastasis, right?" But I just want you to know that that really you're getting into trouble when you don't generate any tension in the lineata. So let's say you have a five centimeter gap or eight centimeter gap, but it's generating good tension in that lineata. That doesn't mean you're broken. That doesn't mean you can't work out. It just means you need strategy. You need to be working with someone that knows what they're talking about. You need to be someone who knows to be looking for it, to be measuring you every two weeks and then giving you appropriate strategy. Mm-hmm. Right, so it doesn't mean you're broken. It just is a consideration, something that you want to be thinking about postpartum. But moms get into trouble because they don't know that they should be looking for it, and then they jump into these mommy and me boot camps, and the trainers don't even know that they should be looking for it. Yeah, doctor. And I look, I've been guilty of this too, right? Oh, doctor Clujer, you good? But they don't know that they should be looking at this. Yeah, exactly. Lots of postpartum women. I mean, they're fine. They're great. You know, just just to give you some, you know, just another example of how resilient humans are, right? Is that, like, I'm sure I screwed. I should have done something. But they were fine. Yeah. Fine. No one got hurt. Everyone they healed their diastasis. Everything's fine, right? Like, I'm not going for perfection here. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you just need to have... But having awareness and education around it is key. Absolutely. So how should women navigate, like, from the moment they leave the hospital? Um, I know, obviously, they're probably not thinking about that then. There's, like, lots of stuff going on. But how do they navigate their movement? Let's say they, like, just want to start moving again for the sake of that feeling of yeah. that you get from exercise. So how do they navigate themselves in the postpartum journey? And here's the thing too, like I will also want to inspire to any of the co- any coaches that are talking to or that are any coaches that are listening is that 
don't forget, like, when they're in the room with you, let's say you have them three hours a week, right? That's only three hours out of 100, what is it, 68, 63, something like that, 160 hours of the week that they're not moving perfectly, right? Yeah. Sometimes we've got multiple kids. Sometimes we're, like, carrying toddlers and, like, we're schlepping, like, um, Whatever it is. It's a diaper bag. It's like, come on. Like we <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in, in our movement that we have to manage, right? So for you know so for my moms that are recovering, you know, at least two weeks before they start even like really thinking about it, but like breathing, breathing in alignment, making sure that those ribs are stacked on top of the pelvis, right? Those are things that are super important that you can start thinking about right away, right? Mm -hmm. That I start, you know, and, 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 all, and in all movement, right? So that I can start with like floor bridges, like heel slides, uh, body air squats, things with no load, but you're just trading the movement patterns, right? Hinge wall taps for the hinges. You're just like getting into the pattern, getting into the movement, and kind of navigating what this new postpartum body it's going to be like because it's not you don't go back I mean you and you don't go back and and I mean that in love and I also mean that in like that doesn't mean that you can't be fit like I know tons of moms that are probably fitter now than they were pre-pregnant mm -hmm. right it just it's just awareness around that you are going to have a different body and it's a hundred percent okay yeah totally and that is you know along goes along with age like you're could you imagine if we all had the same body that we had when we were 10? Yeah, I mean, come on, you know? <laughs> yes. Pregnancy or not. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the moms that I hear from, obviously I haven't gone through this experience, so I can't speak about it personally, that it's very jarring to them, the yes. amount of changes that happen. Even like my friend uh, who is pregnant now, she has a three-year-old and she is about four or five months pregnant. She oh. says that she, and her and I like get deep into our emotions and stuff. Yeah. She's like, oh, I have a different brain. Like yeah. oh, my, you do. my sure. brain is different. Like oh, 100%. the way she thinks, her emotions, like the hormones. Yeah. What you, you know. remember. I mean, I literally put my cell phone in the fridge. Yeah. I, I literally, I, I'm I, my husband had to ping it. Oh my god! So you know that's that's totally a real thing, and it is jarring, right? Yeah. And it and it is not. And I think that for me, I felt certainly for my first pregnancy, not so much for my second pregnancy, but for my first pregnancy, I felt like just I wouldn't even look in the mirror. Mm, I, I hear that all the time. It's just you don't. I. It feels like an alien body, mm. right? And you. I mean, think about it. If you were even like someone who breastfeeds for two years, right, or one year, that's that is one to three years of your life dedicated to another human. Yeah, providing yeah. the food in, with your body. Oh, you want to talk about being a rapper? Like yes. Oh, that yeah. is like. You, that is, that is so hard, right? And what is so, you know, you know, what I like to grant my mom's permission to, to think about and talk about it is that if you were to even, it's almost like blasphemy in the mom community to suggest that you're unhappy with that because you have a baby. 
Yeah. You should be happy that you get to be a mom or be a mom or have a baby. Right. It's like, it's almost like you get tossed under the rug and then you start and mom guilt is so real. I mean, you've got pressure from yourself and mom community to feel like you would need to provide in the family unit. But on top of that, you have (coughs) society telling you, you need to contribute in a certain way. It's like moms feel like they can't win. Yeah, exactly. So what are some tools that maybe you recommend to your clients or that you went through as well in terms of getting back to that place, not getting your body back, but having a positive body image, um, you know, going forward? This is a great question. And I think that the number one thing that I would say is buy clothes that make you feel good. Mm. There is this pressure to stay in your maternity clothes. Okay. And then, you know, you don't want to get a whole new wardrobe because you're going to lose all the weight. And I want you to remind you that even if it's just three months that you're in those clothes, it will do so much more for your mindset and for your, and to feel like you're a person. If you just buy some clothes that you feel good. Yeah. Right? Feel like you're not in leggings. And even if it is leggings, fine. Go pick some cute leggings. It's some type, something that you can have that's going to make you feel better. Right? Like that is huge yeah because if not there's like the daily reminder like hey you know here's here we go again you know here I'm reminded that it's like totally okay now that my body has changed like I told you before we started recording my best friend had two kids and she's actually I think episode three of the podcast um Steph's episode and she was like she came to me and she was like I don't recognize my body I can't look in the mirror I my jeans can't even go past my butt and she was just in like not you know the best place at that time but I was like you just pushed two babies like two humans came out of your body and you know this is something that is so common amongst women um are there any other tools that you could recommend? Yes, absolutely. So the other thing that I have, you know, my moms do, and for the record, this is, it sounds so cliche. <coughs> I know it sounds cliche, right? But but it's also important, and I have specific ways in how to do it, but practice gratitude, mm. right? And I think that when I say that, when I say practice gratitude, uh, people are like, oh, I'm so grateful for my family and I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for, you know, what, you know, the big things. And I'm not saying don't be grateful for those. I'm definitely not saying that. Right. But <clears throat> I, um, I ask people to be thankful for five things that happened that day. Mm. Right. I want you to be five, five things that you were grateful for that happened in that day. Right. Because then it forces you, or at least it gets your mind's eye thinking into thinking about, um, it gets your mind's eye into thinking about what's, you know, what I need to notice something. I need to notice beauty for that day to be grateful for so that you don't miss moments. That's what helps me stay present in the moment. 
Mm, that is such a good tip. And sometimes we do need that reminder because it's so easy to just get wrapped up in the day-to-day, every day, yeah. and not be deliberate absolutely, about that. Absolutely, right? Other things that I do, like, is um, the third thing is that I have really worked on this. And, I, you know, Chrissy, our friend Chrissy King, just posted about this. It's actually something really hard and difficult to do. But I have stopped commenting on people's bodies positively or negatively. Mm. Such a big one. It's such a big one. Right. It is like the positive, like, and, and I, I have been practicing this for a while. I've been practicing that for a while, not doing it out loud, but I try and catch myself doing it in, in my mind. Mm. If I hear myself say it in my mind, I try and catch it. Right. And I think that part of it is like, that we are, you know, we're just, we're inundated, we're in social media time, right? We're inundated with imagery and, and, you know, looking and appreciating other people's bodies, right? But I have worked very hard into just thinking of a body as a body. A body is a body. That's it. Doesn't yeah. have to be. There's so many other artful things that we could look at and appreciate and admire beauty. Yeah. Right. Or even the invisible things about people. Yes, right? And I try to connect with people on a different, instead of just like, oh, you look great, you look great. Yeah. Or like, oh, I love that dress. Or, oh, you know, what, or maybe, I mean, that's fine. I'm dressed as fine. But um, that's a different, like, girl self-esteem thing. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I try and connect in, like, a different way, right, than just commenting on a body. Or like, oh, wow, your arms and shoulders are really great today. Whatever it is, right? Yeah. I try to move away from that. The other thing, right, that um, I'll do is, and it's it's kind of out there, but it's really important, right? I have kids. I look at my two little girls and I think to myself, am I gonna say that to them? Whatever I'm saying to myself, am I gonna say it to my kids or to the people I love? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So try. I so I try to talk to myself the way that I try that I would talk to my daughter. Mm-hmm. So right. powerful. Right. If if I can, whatever I am saying to myself, I I I always ask myself. It's kind of like my 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 um inner barometer or like a litmus um, test or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Like, am I going to say that? Would I say that to Gwen? Right. And the answer is no, because there are times like, look, I am, this is a process. I'm 11 months postpartum. I live my life online. There are tons of times that I catch myself in emotional hijacking and feeling like, oh, I just want my body back. Yeah. Right. Or I just want to fit into that one pair of jeans again. But here's the truth, right? Those jeans that I'm holding on to, I probably didn't fit into them. Before I got pregnant, yeah. but I was obsessed with having them. Yeah, that I was always thinking about those genes, like that would be my barometer for success. Yes. Right? Yes. This is not true. Right. So that is definitely one of the things I would say. You know, that is definitely when I say, "Would I say this to myself?" So those are like the main things. Those are awesome, and I think it's important to note too. I appreciate you being so vulnerable. Because like, even though we get these messages and we can say to ourselves like, oh, I'm never going to have a bad body image day again or whatever, like, it's just not true. So it's important to feel what you feel, but then like, 
how are you going to approach it? You know, yeah. how are you going to talk to yourself? How are you going to deal with it? Yes. How are you going to react to the thoughts that you have, which like pop in at any moment? You know what I mean? You never know what's going to come in there sometimes. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I really appreciate you being so vulnerable. Uh, something that I think is really important too when it comes to like motherhood and moms and as it relates to your story as well is um, the fact that we have like pressures and expectations. Um, So how can moms kind of navigate that and like the comparison that happens with like social media or even friends or whatever? This is great. This is a great question. Um, you know, I think for me, one of the biggest tools that have helped me is just awareness of it, knowing that it's happening and being able to notice it and name it. Mm. Right. So I notice like I, I'm like, oh, I feel bad in this moment. And this is because of I'm comparing myself to some so-and-so. Right. So if it's happening on social media, then honestly, I unfollow that's probably another thing that I have my moms do is unfollow the accounts that are making you feel that. Yeah. So right? simple, but so powerful. Right. You will feel free. And it doesn't mean that you have to unfollow them forever. It just means whatever is triggering you right now to feel bad, just take, you know, take a break. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes me, I'll even have social media breaks, which you think is weird because you're like, Beverly, your business is online. Yeah, but that's okay. I can, I just make sure that my time online is very deliberate and carved out. Right. And that I'm just very aware that this is the time I'm going to use to, to work and I'm going to be obsessed with myself. Right. Yeah. I just remove, I just take a break from consuming information. Right. And you'll be surprised. And moms have told me and people, not even moms, people have told me how surprised they are when they're like, oh, I didn't realize how much information I was actually consuming. Yeah. yeah. Because our brain is designed to put things on automation. We're supposed like, we don't want to use all that brain power to, you know, scroll to consume. No. Yeah, yeah. We want to use it for the for the big rocks, right? So we are consuming without even knowing it. So when you take a break and you free yourself from that, you're like, oh, that's amazing, right? Um, <clears throat> what I've noticed, like in social situations, if somebody makes a comment about my body, like, oh, you look, you know, um, or they. You know, they make a comment about, like, in pregnancy, they'd be like, oh, you look amazing, right? I would just be sure to change the language to more about how are you feeling. Yeah. If I, in postpartum moms, too, instead of commenting on how they look, I try and ask them how they feel, right? Like, how are you? How's it going? How are you feeling? So, or, and if they say something about my body, then I just try, you know, I'm not rude. I just say thank you. And then change the conversation about something else. But what happens is, you know, I think we've all been in that situation where you comment on somebody's body anticipating that they're going to comment on yours. Yes. Right. And I don't necessarily think that that's bad or even done, you know, I think it's done subconsciously in many ways. But, um, uh, and then if I don't, so I just don't, I'd say thank you, change the subject. 
right? So if I don't, they're like, oh, they'll feel that, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so my moms, I tell them, like, just don't comment on it. Acknowledge it, move on. Yeah. Talk about something else. Even if it's so, like, because it's, like, a really big trigger point, literally whatever the next thing is, like, look, put your eyes on, talk about that. Oh, that barbecue right there. Oh, so good this last time. You know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Just change the subject. Yeah. Just change the subject, steer the conversation. Or then if it's like bad enough, remove. Just remove. Take yeah. a break. Yeah. And especially if you're postpartum, it's easy to blame your baby. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, I can't go out right now. I'm sleeping. Yeah, exactly. You got stuff to do or whatever. Um I also also tell my moms, like, don't forget self-care. And by self-care, I'm not talking, like, nails and hair. I'm talking, like, take a shower. Exactly. Change your clothes. What are the ways that you practice self-care specifically (laughs) that that help you the most? For me, I am a – and I think self-care is very individual. And I definitely – so for, like, moms and people I'm working with, I definitely just open up that conversation. Like ask them, what does it mean to you? Sometimes people don't know. And for me, self-care means um, I need to work out. And I don't even necessarily mean like lift heavy. Like sometimes I just need to move. Like I'm, I live in New York. I'm used to living in New York and working in New York. So I walk a lot, 10 to 15,000 steps a day. If I miss that, I don't feel good. Yeah, Totally. Like, so I, you know, that is definitely a self-care thing for me. For me, I also like, and for some of my moms too, is, you know, shower. Even if that means, and I used to do this with Abby and she's my second and she is, was my heart. She was very difficult. She was colic. So she cried a lot. Even if it means that I had to spend five minutes just listening to her scream on the bathroom floor next to me in a chair, Mm -hmm. I did that because I needed to just clean be feel clean that helped me that helped me feel like self-care so and then also um uh two things that were important to me is reading Mm. anything i sometimes i'm obsessed with (laughs) harry potter and twilight and um hunger games and those are the three like trilogies or novels that I like go to. I'll just open up my favorite passage and wherever I am or wherever the book is open to and just read for 10 minutes. I've read it like a thousand times, but it, it helps me just kind of decompress. Right. Yes. And I've recently started taking a meditation, a meditation practice or prayer practice, depending on, you know, where, what your religion is. Right. But just that five minutes of like, Focusing on breathing, you know, conversation that is outward, trying to just clear the brain. That is hard to do. It is really hard to do as a mom. And I think that it often is like, no, I don't have time. That's the first thing to go. But really, if you can just give yourself five minutes before you go and grab that screaming baby, the baby will be okay for five minutes. Totally. Get put in before you get out because moms are always out 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 give 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 you have to put in fill the cup yeah that is so important and then you're better equipped to be you know like your best self yeah oh it's like that oxygen mask thing yes exactly put the oxygen mask on to the baby until you do it's the same thing being a mom you don't put yourself first no one else is going to. Yeah. And it's also a signal to yourself, like, I'm important, too. 
Yes, and then you bring your best self to that person who is relying on you. Exactly. So I find that my patience wears much, I mean, I'm way more patient with toddler tantrums, with, you know, meltdowns. Like, I'm much more, and I'm much more, I'm able to give, and I'm also able to accept that what I am giving in that moment is enough. Yes, such an important point. Like, moms need to know that, that like, whatever your best is enough. Your best is enough. Right. And, and I am a mom that, it, that, you know, I didn't let my kids watch television, but not because I was like until two and not because of any type of like parenting expectation. I, and that doesn't even necessarily mean that I didn't let other things parent her. There are plenty of times for Gwen that I just put her in a corner, gave her a stack of books and dealt with Abby crying. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, a, you know, that it was probably you know and i know moms have done that for tv or ipad and that is a hundred percent okay like give yourself permission to be okay your kid is loved has some food you gotta take care of you totally right? yes a hundred percent what that takes and it just so happens that i'm just not per- I, I personally don't watch television but if someone else did like more power to you Mm-hmm. <laughs> love that you pressure than taking on the other pressures of other people's expectations yeah oh my god yeah we already give ourselves enough like <laughs> give enough yeah yeah we're hard, ourselves. We're, we're hard enough on ourselves totally so what are some i love everything that you mentioned um like you gave so many good tips and like really practical tangible things that people can do and think about um I know this is going to bring a lot of awareness to the moms and potential moms that listen to the show because this is information, like I said, that I would like to know too. Yeah. Um, So what are some good resources that people can look into, people to follow or books or websites that kind of go over this information if they want to look deeper? I love this. Great. Um, So I'll say that um, my, so for my coaches that are listening, right, they're interested in, in, um, getting certified or having some education around this. Like you definitely want to look up girls gone strong has an awesome pre postnatal certification. Jesse Mundell has a postnatal, uh, Academy specialist, uh, or a specialist Academy. That's awesome. You also want to look up Brianna battles. She has a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism certification that is actually open now for registration. Uh, and then, uh, so those are like my three like powerhouses in terms of education and science around exercise and nutrition when it comes to to pregnancy and postpartum stuff. But a lot of moms that give great resources and information on being moms, aside from Jesse and Girls Not Strong and Brianna, definitely have me. You can find me at B Simpson Fitness. Yes, 100%. And, right? and you have... You have Heather Orsbury. Uh, she is at Hot and Healthy Life. You have um, Jessica Orr. She, I, I think she's I am Jessica Orr. I'm not sure what her. I think she's Jessica Orr. Jessica Orr. Okay. Yes. We'll put everything in the show notes so people can find she, them. She's an awesome, she's someone who always talks about, uh, who talks about awareness and, um, and is an excellent resource. You have... Um, who else? Tons of people. There are tons of people. Yeah, uh, you're ton- like Shira Nelson. She also is running. She's got the Running Beyond Baby program, mm-hmm. and I know she talks about it a lot. 
you have um, happy, happy, I want to say happy, healthy, puppy, healthy moms, hearts. There's someone, there's someone else and I'll, I'll. Perfect. And we'll put it all in the show notes for everybody. For you. But that they're awesome resources too, in terms of like, and they, we all talk about the stuff, like the mindset stuff. We talk about, you know, working out pregnancy and, and returning postpartum. Perfect. In all different, oh, and Haley Schefner, in oh, all yes. different facets of life. We can't forget her, too. Yeah, yeah. All facets of life, right? We, you, we're all different, like CrossFit, uh, strength training, powerlifting, running, kettlebells. And we're all talking about how to get back to those kinds of things that we love to do in a you know, good way and, a, and, you know, taking care of our mindset and our body image. Like That's important stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, everybody will be in um everybody will be able to find those resources in the show notes and the last question that i ask is a little bit of a morbid question um but i'm always curious to hear everybody's answer and so if you were on death row what would be your last meal (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay my last meal. So it's like almost like a heightened question of what's your favorite meal. Because exactly. It to be- and it could be courses too. Yes. The last thing you could possibly eat. You know, I think too that it would vary from day to day. Yeah. Or not day to day, but from per- time period to, of, of time periods. Because right now, this like very second, I would want to have the world's best. And it would not, I don't even know where it would come from, to be honest. It would have to be something that is curated by genius minds like yourself. (laughs) But the world's best egg and cheese sandwich. Oh, wow. So simple. I would like really need to have that with a side of French fries. Delicious. It would have to be the spotted pig's French fries because they have the like fried fried garlic and fried rosemary flakes that is like perfect and I would want to have like the best fries like not just like bottom of the barrel every fry would have to be perfect the spotted pig is amazing and their fries are incredible there are they are amazing amazing so I would have that I think an egg and cheese sandwich the world's best mind you so that would take some curation (laughs) right I love that (laughs) With a side of French fries. Perfect. Um, so tell people, I know you kind of mentioned your Instagram handle and stuff, but tell people where they can find you online and how they can work with you and if you have anything going on right now that they can be a part of. Okay. that's. I mean, that's awesome. So I have, um, you can pretty much find me at B Simpson Fitness on all channels. So at bsimpsonfitness.com, uh, bsimpson Fitness on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest and on Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel, which actually is, is I don't get to have a fancy name yet. I have like all these like numbers and stuff, but I have a lot of information on that channel. Like I have a diastasis core workout. I have like how to, you know, kettlebell, how to practice kettlebells if you're postpartum and, and if you have any type of pelvic floor symptoms, there is a ton of information actually on that YouTube channel. Mm. So if you go to any of those other spaces, it'll link you to what those on what that odd name is. But um, and currently, I'm actually not running any type of. I'm not running any type. I'm not. I'm not uh, working on anything specifically. I'm just working. Uh, if you are wanting to work on me on a one-on-one 
type of bases, you definitely come to my website and we'll ask you some questions. I've got an application there. Otherwise, if you just want to join the conversation, I'm hanging out, spending most of my time in my free Facebook group called Healthy Kids, Happy Moms. And I have a lot of free stuff and a lot of information and conversation is happening there. So that's really the best place to get if you want to spend some more time with me. Yeah, and we'll put the link for that in the show notes. I know, and I know you're super active in there, and you bring in guests and stuff. A lot of good resources. They're all free, so you guys definitely make sure to check that out. And thank you so much for coming on. It was so fun. My pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Bev. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.